everybody, and welcome to episode 68 of the Lion of Vienna Sweet Podcast. I'm very hungover, and I probably sound awful as well, so apologies for that, and apologies for any stray burps you may hear in the ether of this podcast, because you know, <laughs> you know, you know what it is when you're hungover. But I, of course, I'm also Daniel Murphy, and joining me today is Mr. Chris Manning. Chris, how are you? Hello, Dan. I'm fine. I'm a lot better than you, by the sounds of it. Oh, drinking since 10 o'clock in the morning yesterday. Oh, um, those days are long gone. Unless it's Christmas Day, those days are long gone. <laughs> I don't know what time I got back in. I don't even remember getting in. I know the pub was that's, that's that a sign. Home. That, that's a sign of a good night. So why don't you do what were you up to, Dan? I mean, surely you weren't just uh, sat at home with a crater kestrel no. having a good time on your own. Started drinking it tonight because I was on the coach to Shildon where Abbott and Coles were playing in the FA Cup Vars or whatever it's called these days. Ah. Trophy? Is it FA Vars Trophy? I think that's what it is. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea. They were playing, as I said, Shildon, who are top of the division above them, I think, or near the top. They are the second favourites for the trophy. And Coles went 1-0 down in the second half, but Coles came back to win 4-1. And it was quite the scenes, as the kids these days say. <laughs> well, at least it was for a good cause, then, eh? Uh, it was great, and it's honestly... It's a weird because it's the most I've enjoyed a football match in so long. You, like, you talk to people, and I, was, I sat next to someone on the coach who used to it, well, still is a Bolton fan, but stopped going after Wembley because it just broke him. Um, <laughs> and That's understandable. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I, I doubt he's the only one. But then he was just talking about how, how modern football is a bit of shit in it. All like corporate and hegemonized and. Yeah. and Clean I can imagine. I can. Uh, I can understand that. A lot of it these days is very flat, isn't it? It's. Uh, it's one of those things where you got to make a stand. Sometimes you got to enjoy. It. I used to go when I was a kid with my granddad. Used to go watch Tempest United. Um, you know, whatever league they're in. I've got absolutely no idea whatever league they're in. I used to go. Um, my granddad used to run the line. Used to go out and help him put the kits out. That kind of thing. Proper grassroots stuff. It's. Uh, there's, there's a real appeal to it, isn't there? Going out, watching a match with a. With a drink in your hand, stood by the side of the pitch and having a laugh. Yeah, I can totally, uh, totally understand that. I think there's like a togetherness in non-league football that you just don't get in. Mm. You know, you know, the money that's in the game now is just you don't. There's just a disconnect. That's you know, just severed off between the club and, or at least the players and yeah. the fans. With with us, we took two coaches up to Shildon, and you know, one of them was the players' coach, and half of it was filled with fans. You know, we were all together, people made buddies for the journey and everyone was just sharing and having a good hmm. time and fucking, you know. It's very good stuff. So, who have got the next round? Do you know yet? Yeah, the draw's Monday, hopefully. It's a good one, but it's Nationals now, so it could be an Ipswich in Islington, if that's the place. Or just mm-hmm. at home and have it. And I'd recommend anyone to go. Obviously, it's no way to get the game. It's going to be a bit harder, especially if you're not from Everton. But if they get a home draw... Go on down to Older House, the Kensuite Stadium in Everton, next to Farnby Hall. It's a good little ground, calls are a great club. And if you go and don't fall in love, I'll be very surprised because it's a great Sounds club. good, mate. Yeah. You've, Sorry. You've got to be in it to win it, haven't you, in these cup so, games? Don't matter who you're playing against. It's weird at the minute. Yeah, fantastic. On to Bolton. I don't know what it is at the minute. I'm planning on writing a piece for it, but I can't even be inspired to write a piece about <laughs> mm. how I'm not inspired to be a Bolton fan at the minute and it's nothing against Bolton because they're doing really well in the league you know things are looking up from what they were 12 months ago despite whatever you know concerns may remain on certain things 
but I don't know what it is at the minute. I'm, yeah, no, I, I know, I know where you're coming from. When I was watching the game yesterday, um, there was it's funny. I, I did a bit, of, did a bit of people watching as well during some elements of it, and the, the different kinds of fan that we've got are, are interesting. I mean, I, I've done it all in my my time. You know, you, you you're the one that stands up and screams. You're the one that sings all the time. And these days, I'm the one that sort of sits there and just watches it and and gets gets a bit carried away from time to time. But generally just sort of go for a bit of fresh air and to watch a football match, you know. But some of the people that I saw yesterday were the real shouters. And I remember when I cared that much. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's the fact I'm getting a bit older and maybe a bit more cynical or the fact I've got other priorities in life, like family life and all that sort of thing. Whereas I, I, I don't see myself being that fan anymore. And I see people of old ages doing it. You've obviously got your 15, 16-year-olds who are loving it because it's their, it's their whole life, you know, home and away every single week there, there and back. Great. But, you know, these days, if it hadn't been for the fact I was on a freebie yesterday, I probably wouldn't have bothered, to be honest. I would have sat at, I would have sat at home and followed it maybe on the telly or, or you know, on my phone or whatever while I was out doing something else. Yeah, I've, um, I've been off of uni. Doesn't mean that... The, yeah. I've been off of uni this past three weeks. <coughs> I've not gone to a single home game. And, I've just, and I'm not bothered. Like, we're getting good as like the Scunthorpe. No. I was tempted to go to the Scunthorpe game. And the reason I didn't is because it was on New Year's Eve and... What a shit day to have a football match. So that <laughs> I would have gone to that if I'd have been New Year's Day. I probably would have gone to it. But New Year's, I really like New Year's Eve, and I wasn't spent. Oh, I was in Dublin. Oh, so oh well, there you go. Not a bad excuse at all. I was, I was, I, I normally go with my brother and my mum, but they were both away. Um, and so I, I offered you. In fact, I offered you my ticket, and you, you're fair enough. You were away, but I was supposed to be going with our Liam from Line of Vienna, and the son of a bitch let me down an hour before kickoff. So I thought, you know, in the past I would have thought, and I have done. Oh, I'll go on my own. You know, no problem. Yeah, I got. But I thought, nah, fuck it. You know, I, I stopped at home. I went to the range, went and uh, bought some new pizza trays and some new washing baskets, and yeah. was very satisfied. Satisfied with my afternoon's work. Okay. Topped it off with James Henry scoring his goal, but. Yes. There in itself is my, you know, my priorities have, have changed as I go up. But the, the fact that that's the case doesn't mean that you know you care or you're interested in the club any less. I don't think it's just sometimes when it's a fallow period like it is now, you know, second, third in the league, whatever we are, fair enough. But it's a it's a pretty low point in our in our history, isn't it? And there are plenty of reasons to lose the faith. So to hear you say that doesn't doesn't surprise me. I've, I've felt I've felt it before in the past. It's so weird though because like. Well, I saw the results, I saw that we'd won, and I was ecstatic. I was like, oh, great, that's what a result yeah. is. What a great, and then obviously we're going to fuck it up against Coventry two days later, but what can you do? <laughs> but it was such a great result. I mean, to get a win like that, a player who needed a boost, who's not been getting you know much time on the pitch because you know, others have been outperforming him. Like the perfect goal scored by you know the great the player that needed it probably the most. I mean, against the yeah. team who were top, and <laughs> Sheffield United are kind of running away with it a little bit due to our slip up against. Coffin drew, but um, it's so strange to me. I went to Chesterfield away, which was like at the end. I'd finished on the Friday, and the game was on the Saturday. So yeah, it's not too far away from Chesterfield, then. Exactly. So I just got the train, and obviously they fucking lost the bastards. Not lost in ten games. As soon as I go, they bloody lose, which is obvious. <laughs> that was, and it's not just that performance that put me off it, even though it was atrocious from start to finish. It's just that I don't. I, I can't. I don't know what it is. I don't know if wrestling's. No talk. I don't know if like wrestling's filled the gap that football had. You know, I kind of come in and kind of like maybe not yeah. care as much about. But it's so weird because I still just... watch football every weekend. I haven't watched. Yeah. 
Like, thing is, like, is it, things change, don't they? Your priorities change. Whether if you're at uni, I know when I was at United, I couldn't afford to go to the match, and so I would go. You know, I would go when I had a, when I had a freebie or when when it was cheaper or that kind of thing. And you know, to the credit, they've got a couple of games since I've been off Christmas. I still just, just couldn't be bothered. I remember when it, I remember when this like feelings first started. It was um, back at the start of the season. I did three away games in a row. I did like Blackpool, Wimbledon, and. Uh, Bristol, Bristol. yeah. Mm-hmm. When we had then three all in a week, went to every single one and it was great. I really loved it. I was really enjoying it. But we were playing brilliantly, apart from the Blackpool game, and it was it was great. And then after that, spe- that, that spell of three games, we had Fleetwood at home. And have you ever heard anything as fucking ad- I don't know, advertising as the Fleetwood at home in front of the half empty well, ground that would be quiet as fuck? And we, I think we won a late, we were late winner of that game as well. We did. I'll be honest with you. I, I find I find this this sort of thing appealing. I mean, you, the, I understand the sort of um, the lack of interest that you maybe you're showing that sort of caliber opposition. But I was getting I I was getting that sort of feeling in the Premier League. To be honest, and I I, saw, I was I welcomed relegation because obviously you know I thought oh yeah big fish in a small pond. We'll we'll shit the championship no problem. And then and then you know you're playing you're playing new teams every week, and I find that now, like for example. Um, <clears throat> like I said, not bothered about going yesterday initially, unless I, was, unless I got my ticket. But Swindon next week. Last time I saw us play Swindon, we put seven past them, so I'm quite excited about really? that. But then, yeah, but then a fortnight after that, we play Charlton. Well, yeah. Charlton at home on a Tuesday night. I mean, fucking hell! If I get a, if I you know even get the semblance of a better offer, I'll just fucking follow yeah. it from home. You know, I'm you I'm not going to break my neck. Yeah, I've I've had a season ticket for you know since the last year at Burnden, so. The, I've, I've got the, the justification to go, but if I can get out of it on a Tuesday night after being in work all day, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably jump at it. But if it was someone, it sounds weird. If it was someone more interesting, I mean. uh, and I mean, in, I mean, interesting to me like Rochdale or something like that, then I'd be all over it like a tampon chip. So I wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't think twice about it. But it's so strange to me though, as well, because last year <clears> I went to every game. I went to Derby when we got relegated. I didn't need to spend that money to get there to go to the game the drinks whatever I went to as yeah. many home games as I could whenever I was home I travelled a fair bit to, to the aways that I could afford from Sheffield and I don't know what it was because we were fucking shit and you know maybe it's yeah. maybe it's because just like the underdog score story and we were just so shit upon and, I, and also it felt like any game I had to get as, to as many games as I could because you don't know if they're actually going to be another game which was always a kind of actual thing we had to think about last year and it's yeah. not like I'm not grateful for us being really well. I love it seeing us at the top. I love seeing us score goals. I love seeing us have what, however many points. Is it like, do we have like, how many points are we on at the minute? Have we've got about, 50? I think it's about 45 or 46. Basically, we've got, I think I, I read somewhere the other day, we've got as many now as we had in the whole of last season. We must have as many points as we've so had in the last 10 seasons, I'd have thought. And mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. less quality league, more games, etc., etc. But it's, I love, it's not, I'm not saying that was shit I'm not saying that I don't like us doing well I'm not saying I hate the club or whatever I love seeing us you know third on 50 points uh, to you know six points off the top of the league I really I didn't realise it had gone it was that far ahead actually we should, yeah. we should start yeah. slagging them off for being shit but <laughs> I don't know it's just something it's a different club I think as well that's one feeling at the moment you know it's new ownership it's different way of working more in some ways more transparent in some ways less transparent it's, um, it's, 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 it's different so it I, feels it's, different it's the one it time is. it is different been different in my whole it is life different. 
Yeah, it is different. And I felt exactly the same when Allardyce left because that was seven or eight years and, you know, give or take a couple of years at the start when I was supporting Bolton, going watching the games, etc. That was all I knew. And, and I, I remember seeing it online and what have you on social media when we got out of the Premier League because for a lot of people, you know, the younger supporters, that, that was all they knew. And so the, the transition is difficult. Mm. Um, but, you know, it comes and goes, this sort of thing. Yeah, it's I, I not like you're ever going to go. If you have a, a couple of years off watching uh, Averton or whoever, yeah. then, you know, that's great. But at the same time, you're still going to come home and check how Bolton did. And, oh, absolutely. And you know, not when, 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 when your circumstances maybe change or whatever you think changes, then you... Uh, You'll be straight back in there. I'm and sure. everyone should know that now. That once we're top of the league, come May, I'll be fucking there, soaking in all That's the glory. Don't you worry. <laughs> when we get to Wembley, taking taking the four tickets off somebody else, I think 100%, that's the right thing to be. No shame at all. But, but um, no, um, I went to calls like saying, go to calls, non-league game, honest, passionate. I don't know. It's you know just on, like honest football, down to earth, yeah. not pampered or pristine. You know, rough around the edges. I the attraction. It'd be quite refreshing from, yeah, it really is. from the, the homogenisation of, of professional football. It's uh, it's attractive to find an alternative that you can that you can relate to and feel like it's more your cup yeah. of tea. Definitely. I remember, like in 2014, I think I was like I was not going off football, but kind of. Kind of exactly not buzzing about it. I think Bolton had the you fourteenth know, disappointing season. We should have done a lot better. Whatever. Football is just a little. Uh, and then the World Cup came along and it was fucking amazing I watched every single game and it got me just right back into it like refreshed my love for football again you know, and I still watch it every weekend like at uni once there's a sense of regularity back to my life after the hectic days of Christmas and that every weekend we'll be, you know, all of us will be sat around the telly watching the football in the flat because you know, that's what you do but, yeah and so it's not, I, it, it's not it, just in football per yeah. se it's just and maybe it's because I don't Particularly like some of the things we hear about the club at the minute, and or maybe it is League One, maybe I'm a glory fan and just don't like it's such a weird. No, nah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I, I enjoy it, 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 it harks back to my early days, us being that big fish in a small pond. Because whenever we were up and down in the Premier League, you know, with the McGinley era, we were hopeless and we were a tiny fish in a, in a big pond. Then we go down into the, into the league below. And we'd be a big fish again. And I used to really enjoy those years because going to the games, you know, how many years did we play Chelsea at home when we lost 4-0? Yeah. Maybe about three or four ta- three or four times in a decade. So you knew what you were going to get. Mm. But these days you turn up and, you know, yeah, we might be in the, sort of one of the top, one of the best sort of three or four teams in the league. But even so, you know, we lost against Oxford. We lost against Chesterfield. On, on any day, you never know what might happen. We might stick four past a team that plays well, like Gillingham, or we might scrape our asses past another another terrible team. Like when we play Swindon, they were, they were down the bottom in a couple of, in a week's time. Who knows? We could win five 0 It could be three two. It could be anything. And I find that more. I find that more interesting. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not like, unpredictable. Hundred percent. I'm not saying like you know I'm not like, oh I don't want to pay money for a loss or whatever. You know I'd, I'd pay. To watch it, sure. Seen plenty to see us lose. Oh, definitely. Exactly. I watched. I'm doing a thing for uni about about the anniversary actually, and um, which is quite funny. And I got in contact with a guy who did a documentary on football fanzines, and he let me watch it, even though it's not been properly released because they can't afford a you know distribution or whatever. Yeah. Um, he let me watch it. And there was that sounds quote, interesting. It was really good, and he gave me there was this quote from a football historian, and he's saying like football isn't about winning; it's about losing. It's about 
You know, it's about all the losses we all go through. You know, the week after week of turgid shit to get that one bit of glory every now and then. And that's what last season was to me. Like, how when we beat Blackburn to finally end that horrendous streak, I fucking nearly cried. It was amazing. Yeah, it made it all worth it, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. And it's like, just like, you know, you get your underdog story, you get shit on, shit on, shit on. You know, we went down fucking, we got, you know, we were meekly when we went down, but, you know, it was like, it's kind of like us, we're still going out of protest. And now, I don't know what I'm talking about, because like, we know we're winning every week. I should be buzzing, I should be going every week. But it's kind of a bit, yeah, winning every week's a bit overrated, I'd say. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't think we were talking about that, but it's very interesting. Yeah, and you know, I think as well, like as I was saying earlier, I think because I've gotten so into wrestling, mad how much I've gotten back into wrestling, that's kind of taken up so much of my life. Like, I don't even watch Arrow anymore, Chris. And <laughs> well, uh, you, you should. I'll put it that way, you should. I mean, all those sort of series, and well, fuck it, it's only me and you tonight, let's talk about all sorts of shit. Yeah. Arrow, Arrow, is, Arrow is come back strong. Really? Come Season back strong. four, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, it was, really it was rubbish. It was rubbish, but it's come back strong, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't write that programme off forever. Flash the same, Flash is consistently Flash is brilliant. I don't know why I've stopped, because the first two years of Flash have been fucking brilliant. Flash it's, on its break. it's on its break at the moment, yeah. everything comes back, everything comes back, I think, from the 14th of Jan onwards, like Gotham and other programmes oh, like that. Oh, I like it. Oh, it's, it's mad. So it's absolutely off its head. It's great. Um, but I know exactly what you mean about about other things getting in your way, like, like wrestling and so on, because about 18 months ago, I was just out of the blue, just sat up one night, I think, and uh, nothing was on, and, I, and it was on. So I thought, oh, I'll watch it. And it's funny how things like that catch you, because when I was like 12, 13, 14, yeah, fucking hell, I couldn't get enough of it. Could not get enough of it. And then 18 months later of watching it, the missus is buying me bloody certified G T shirt for Christmas, you know. And I might only ever wear it once, but I love it. I absolutely yeah, love it. And my, my little, you know, it's it's funny how these things happen. Um but yeah, you know, you're not missing anything you're not um, sorry, you are missing out if you don't uh, go back into these things because yeah, it's stupid and it's daft, but it's also it's really good entertainment and for the most part for the most part, you know, there's very few programmes where I can watch something when my daughter's in the room and she's going on six and I have to be, be mindful about what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. But something like that, yeah, it's, you know, it's rough and tumble and what have you, but it's, it's family entertainment and, and I can feel safe that she's watching it and it's not going to do any real harm. Yeah. Um, me, but it is, it is, it is good. For me, I got in, I watched, I, as I always choose to do, I, always like, I, I loved it as a kid, as you do, like the era of like Bobby Lashley and Batista and, the Rey Mysterio, sure. the Boogeyman, and all that at that time, about 2006-ish. And um, Boogie. Boogeyman was my favourite, man. What a guy, he was so scary. <laughs> and he's eating worms. Yeah, 100%. And then I didn't watch it, you know, as you're a teenager, it's weird to have, like, wrestling in it, so you stop. And I watched, well, I watched the Rumble this year, because I had, you know, you get your free months, don't you? And then I watched Mania as well with my mates. And after the Mania, I've literally watched every single thing WWE's produced. I've gone into indie stuff. I've been to first shows, or first indie shows, Progress and ICW, and I just got in. How was, the, how was the ICW one? Because I've ICW seen the documentaries on Netflix. Oh, is it really? Oh, I might have to check that out. Because ICW was good. I actually preferred it. Two. It's, it's called uh, Insane Fight Club and Insane Fight Club 2. Really interesting. It's oh, all about um, Drew. Gall- uh, second one's about Drew McIntyre, yeah. Drew Galloway, and um, um, what's his name, Jack Jester. 
and the first one's all about Grado and Mark Dallas and things like that. It's quite really, really interesting, but if it's not on Netflix, it'll be on iPlayer, I think. They're both BBC Scotland. Oh, I'll, I'll get them watched. That's then. interesting, but I, I've, I've not been to a, an indie show for a good old 12 months, but I, I, I had, you know, six or 12 months ago. Preston watching, for you, haven't you? Preston, yeah, watching Preston every, every time they had a show, and I went to went to about half a dozen, you know, seven or eight shows, something like including the uh, ROH crossovers and Oh, it's such a great laugh, really good laugh. And you see some good, you know, Matt Hardy, you'd see but, um, Billy Gunn, people like that, AJ. I, saw, I was there for AJ and his, match against, his rematch against uh, Lionheart when, the, the year after the, the, the fella broke his neck, etc. You know, was it AJ? Proper, proper. AJ broke his neck? Yeah, it was, yeah. Wow. It was a, it was a, bot, a botched Styles clash. The guy, took, the guy tucked his neck in and they had to uh, stretch. Okay. I wasn't there for that one. But they stretched him out of the uh, out of the thing, and he was paralysed for a time. He's wow. he all uh, all he constantly built this revenge match. It was quite good. I actually prefer yeah. ICW two progress because ICW had a bit more actual storytelling. Had you know people coming in, they were building up to the fear and loathing. So they had yeah. they were building up to all them feuds and all them matches, and it was actually really good progress. That's the wrestling, the wrestling was amazing. Like you know, Skrull, Zack Sabre Jr., Pete Dunne, Osprey, Adam Cole. Um, I saw him. I saw Osprey at PCW once, and it's in a nightclub in the middle of Preston. And he's the closest I've ever seen anyone come to kicking the lights off. To like, he was moonsaulting the lights off the top of the uh, the top of the roof. But it wasn't very high. He's really interesting, mate. Really interesting guy. He's got a good future ahead of him, Osprey. Yeah, I think you know that just kind of wrestling kind of filled a lot of the hole for me because I've watched you know I've just been engulfed by it so much, like just reading about it, yeah. watching so much like the Wrestle Kingdom that was uh, this week was the greatest. Kenny Omega v Kazuchika Okada is the best match I've ever seen in my life. If you've not seen it, I um, sports mania on my Cody at the match, but I know I, I started watching it, but I noticed it was five and a half hours long the yeah, show, and I didn't know when. Massive. Didn't know. I didn't know if it was the main event it or is. what that Okada match. Omega's the main. One event. day it's about fifty minutes long. If you go to the end, with about fifty minutes left, it should be there. And just it's. Oh, I might check out later on, but. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It certainly is interesting, but uh, we've football... We've actually managed to go 20 minutes without talking about Bolton, which is quite impressive. That's not bad, is it? I think we'll we'll, we'll drag it back slightly onto topic, but yeah, interesting how, how things can change and, and your, your interests change, but yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it is what it is. And a game, for me, like yesterday, um, the first game I've been to in, in a good couple of weeks for various reasons was... It felt like old Bolton to me because we were the underdog playing against a bigger team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not a bigger club. Obviously, we're a miles bigger club than oh, Crystal Palace. Um, a Premier League team in the FA Cup. It felt like the old days. You know, we were going to Burnham watches against Liverpool and uh, Everton and teams like that, and was almost we very nearly pulled off a, a win yesterday. And it wouldn't have been a shock, and it wouldn't have been undeserved at all. We were excellent yesterday. So um, no, no from, against Crystal Palace, mm-hmm. pick up returning Big Sam and Chung and Lee, of course. Um, yeah, I was, I was keeping an eye for the score, but by the end of the day, we won. Calls won four one, so I think I made the right choice. But sounds like it was a I good game, so Chris. It was, and we had an interesting day because um, the the website, Lanny Bain, and we got invited to go and meet the chairman, um, oh, yeah. along with um, Trotter's blog and Burned and Aces. So there was me, Liam O'Mara from our uh, RSD website. There was Liam and Jimmy from Trotter's blog, and Chris, the head of Burned and Aces. So. Um, all went down to the Reebok. Mm. Uh, we got ourselves a freebie on the back of it as well. So we met, we went and met. Yeah, we met big old Ken and we met his son um, with Paul Holiday, who's the comms guy at Wanderers. He's a very affable chap. 
um, beforehand we went up in a in a private room and uh, like a little boardroom type thing at Reebok and uh, Ken put you know turn the uh, turn the screw on us all by sitting down saying right ask me questions what do you want to know and so you know putting us on the spot so we went through a few things you know I'm not going to go into too much detail here because there's a few things that were asked to be off the record so I want to respect that um, but I left feeling quite impressed with him to be honest he's an interesting fellow and uh, he's one that I think I'm definitely glad we've got on our side rather than against us because I think sometimes that a lot of the things that have gone wrong in the club over the last few years have been because we've not had anybody in charge who's been able to separate his head from his heart. You know, supporters in charge of clubs is great and it's it's beneficial and it's it's you know more often than not a good thing. But I think sometimes it leads to decisions being made the same way with your with your heart and not your head. When we've got somebody in now like Ken, who's a a rock hard businessman, <clears throat> a tough negotiator, doesn't seem to take any nonsense from anybody. But ultimately, he's not a Bolton Wanderers fan. He's a, he's, you know, if anything, he's a Ken Anderson fan. So I came, I came away from it with a, you know, with a respect for him and for the work that he's done. And, and if some of the things that they mentioned come off, then yeah, should be great. Obviously, we, we maintain a, an independence as a website, so I'm not going to start promote, promoting that, you know, the Ken Anderson suite or anything like that. But we'll keep, a, we'll still keep a watching eye and see what goes on. Um, the website's always got things that we want to say and we'll always make sure we say that but that was an interesting way of starting the game yeah, on, um, on that like, obviously Cairnson Lee Emerson is the man behind that super agent 73 Twitter account that's if the you one. do not know by now what rock have you been living under what do you reckon you. to his way of openness like you know very open fans replying to tweets but and it seems honest oh. it seems it, I think some would say and I would say it doesn't come as very professional in the way he does it. Now, some will say that is good because it's just a person, you know, treating fans as normal. But then others might say it's a little, it feels a little weird, I'd say. You know, it looks it does. Weird. And I, I mentioned it at the time because we're all for transparency, but I think sometimes we, there's a lot of things that we don't need to know. Mm. And there's a lot of things that we might speak to him about as fans that we want to know, like all this LaFondra business, for example. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, you found out about a transfer when the evening news put something up on their um, Twitter or whatever. But I think his openness is, is admirable and I think it shows a willingness to engage with supporters. I do agree with you at times. It appears like sometimes it would be better not to say anything. <clears throat> but from the meeting, Matt, the, the, one of the feelings I got yesterday was that they're, you know, they're, keen to, they're keen to please and we've asked for transparency. And I guess we can't necessarily pick and choose when yeah, we get transparency. So it's totally up to him the way that he <clears throat> he runs his own Twitter account. If he chooses to talk about business, then that's you know that's that's fine. And and for those that want to hang on every word that he tweets, then good luck to you. For those that don't, then equally good luck to you. I don't think it's going to change. <clears throat> and and I think if anything, um, the notoriety that he's now got amongst the fan base, because let's not forget at the start his Twitter handle. Remained Super Agent Seventy Three. It wasn't Super Agent Seventy Three. Now, yeah, and now because everybody knows, it's not changed it. So you know, there's an element there of, you know, he he is who he is, and everyone knows who he is. But at the same time, he's maintaining some sort of, you know, mysterious. Like if things do go wrong, fans have. Oh, you know, there's any on the Amiobi situation recently. Fans have a place to immediately ask and. They have got an answer. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. There's, but then, the only problem is that's his decision to make. Whether he, 
yeah, whether he wants to make the to make himself that open to people because yeah, when when things are going great and we're second in the league or whatever, then yeah, or, you know, it's nice asking answering questions. I'm sure it is about whether we're signing Lafondra. Will it be? Would it be as nice if they were in the same position last season? Um, you know, knowing what we were there, Twitter account etc. Now, when we're ten points adrift at the bottom of the championship, probably not. Yeah, I seem to remember that's why Gartside shut, had shut his Twitter account down after a few, after a few weeks because. When things are going well, you know, brilliant. But when things don't go so well, then we all know what our lot can be like. You know, fickle isn't the word, is it? Mm-hmm. So I think for the time being, I don't think it's going to change. But I suspect that maybe if things are different in six to 12 months' time, maybe that openness might go away. But, you know, I, I could be wrong. And I, and I, I admire the, the, both of their opennesses, him and his dad. Um, but again, I, I retain a little bit of cynicism only because... It's not what I'm used to. It's not necessarily what I think we um, we need. Not in not in every respect. It's obviously, you know, simple, basic, day questions. Where you're coming from about the whole professionalism angle too, because given his role as head of transfers or whatever job title he's got, does that mean that he should maybe be a bit less visible? Because if all of a sudden, you know, Parkinson comes to him and says, well, "I want to sign Lafondra." Next thing you know, word gets out somehow. I'm hypothesising, but word gets out somehow. And then next thing you know, you've got every man and his dog tweeting, Super Agent 73, who everybody knows is an employee of Bolton Wanderers about it. Then Cardiff, who own Lafondra, they're going to think, well, they want him. Well, let's make them pay a bit more for him. Let's see how much they want him. Whereas if that sort of thing's done behind closed doors, as things were done probably from, you know, from, the day, from day one in football, there isn't that openness, and maybe that would then benefit us in some way. I mean, I, I could be completely wrong, but that's just my my pref- my preference would be not to know to to maintain that distance between fans and and the club. However, like I said, I do understand that that's not what that some people want. That they want to know everything. Um, and that appears to be the path. That, yeah, of course, it is. that's the path they've chosen to take, and and it, it it seems to have done all right for us so far. So maybe it's just me. Maybe I, I'm I'm wrong. So the game itself, what are we thinking? Good. Right. Head replay. That was a sip of my drink. Then yeah, it was it was a good game. Really good nil nil. We uh, we struggled a bit at first because it was a twofold thing because they had Remy back, who obviously is a, a really good. I presume I think he's an international, but he's played for Chelsea. He's played in the Champions League, etc. Um, he played up front alongside Fraser Campbell with Chungi behind the two. Now we're not used to playing. For one thing, we're not used to playing against teams who have two attackers. We're also not used to playing against teams who take the game to us all season long. We've been the aggressor. We've been the, the team on the front foot. Um, but this time round, it was, it, yeah, it was the shoe was on the opposite foot. And a lot of, well, not a lot, but a couple of our lads struggled a little bit. Weeter, for example, in the first half was was the Weeter of last season. He he would dive into challenges. He'd get done for pace, which is only natural. You know, he's, he's not the quickest lad. And, and they were very quick, Campbell and Remy. But it just it just went to show the difference between the the, late, the leagues because Palace they were the two touch football was beautiful little layoffs little dinks etc here there and everywhere and but for some wayward finishing from uh, Campbell and Flamini they and Remy as well they would have been two or three up by half time on, on another day now all the credit in the world to our defence and, and Anik because they they managed to keep strong and they uh, they recovered but. The best thing that happened to us was Remy going off at half-time. Now, that was the obvious substitution because 35, 40 minutes, he was on his ass. Remy, he couldn't run. Obviously, he's not played for months and months and months. So, 
he, uh, his substitution wasn't a surprise, but he, he did it played into our hands. Um, we'd had a couple of chances in the first half. James Henry missed. Um, hang on, was that the first half or the second half? We missed the volley. I think it was the first half. No, it wasn't the second half. We'll talk about that in a sec. But we had, you know, we had a fair bit of the ball in the first half, but we struggled to to make any inroads because the midfield was uh, opposite to how we normally have people set up to us. And that same comment about the way the attack was too. We did. We found it difficult. But when Remy went off, we we managed to get ourselves back into the game, which was good. Um, you know, Wheater and Beavers uh, restored the, the restored the confidence a little bit. They were playing against one up front who was Fraser Campbell, so he's quick, but he's not not particularly strong. So they they imposed their qualities on him in the second half. Um, uh, midfield too, equally. Josh Feller came into his own in the second half when he was he, he really made an impression up against Kabai. Um, Flamini in the first half maybe sort of intimidated one or two of them a little bit, but Thorpe as well came back um, and was really impressive in the second half as well. He's, I find him to be a bit wishy-washy, but he improved immensely in the second half and he was probably one of our better performers. But um, I've written man of the match and I think he might even be going out as we as we speak. But um, James Henry was superb. Yeah, it was, and I think it was maybe a, a, a case of not really knowing his role in the team or, or feeling important, which coming down from a league above, um, having the qualities and, and the, the sort of the bigging up that we gave to him before, and he might have expected, but he was everywhere. He was tracking he back, he wide. was right. He did, he started off on the right. He did occasionally switch and play on the left, but more often than not, he was on the right. Um, or you know, just inside the right hand side. See, I think he, um, a big part of him not starting off where the ball was because he was being played in the middle, which he's just yeah. not doesn't see and it's clearly doesn't see him as much. He's a technical player, but he's one of those who you want out wide to have space to run into, not to be, you know, picking up ball in the space and then trying to do stuff with it. You want him running at full backs and as he's with his goal, yeah. you want him carry you know, against Gunthorpe, you want him picking up the ball and running with it, not really uh, you know, fiddling about with it too much, I think. So it's good to see him coming into his own now. Most definitely, most definitely. And, and you know, to, to go through a little bit of the article that I've written, I, I think that the, the fact that we've lost Amiobi might mean that we release the best of James Henry because whilst Amiobi might, to borrow uh, a, a phrase that Jimmy at Trotter's blog mentioned during the game, Amiobi might give you a 10 one week and a 4 next week, but I think, Henry, you're going to get 7s and 8s in a week in, week out, which in the long run is, is much better for you. He offers a lot more to... Um, to the team than Amiobi does consistently because although Amiobi's got all the tricks and flicks etc um, he wasn't particularly bothered about the hard graft you know he was a bit one dimensional in some of his play and he's got he's a lot more rounded and offers offers a lot more as well um, it was interesting to see Chung Yong again um, I mean what a player he is he, he was a cut above in the first half maybe for the first yeah 50 minutes or so absolutely best player on the pitch um, but then Henry came into his own and, and he attacked and, and he, he, he tracked back and he hassled and harried and got his foot in. He was really good. He was disappointed he didn't score, though. He missed a really good volley um, and then he had a long-range shot that just went over by a good, you know, by a few inches, which was really, really, uh, really well struck. But the whole team played well. I mean, Andrew Taylor was excellent again. Um, Spearing pulled his socks up um, after a disappointing couple of weeks. Um I think the only player that could maybe even slightly feel disappointed with his performance was maybe Clough, but that's been a bit pedantic because he was he, he was still his dangerous self. He was buzzing around here, there, and everywhere, and and he quite easily on another day could have made a bit more of a couple of opportunities that he had. 
But they doubled up on Clough at some points in the second half, which obviously left a lot more space for, for the likes of Henry and for Vela to attack going forward. And the way that Vela grew into the game was impressive as well, because admittedly, as someone that I was on the brink of writing off at the start of the season, this change in position has revolutionised his, his Bolton career. Dan. He, he, he could play in that position you know, for, for however long he wants to play now for me. It's definitely his best position. He's not a right-back. He's not... He, I don't want him to drop back in the centre midfield anymore. I don't think he's necessarily got the, the speed for it. But just playing off the front two, he appears to have really good timing. He knows where, you know, he, he finds himself in the right positions at the right time. Uh, as shown by that header that hit the crossbar, that he generated loads of power on it. It was a really good header. Very unlucky. On another day, it would have just snuck inside the post. Um, it was just really encouraging because although Palace played a number of reserve players, there was also a lot of first-teamers in there. Like I said, Kibai, Townsend, um, Jordan Much played, um, Delaney at centre-back, Ward played at right-back as well. So there's a lot of first-teamers, a lot of first-choice first-teamers as well. And we were by far the better team over the course of the 90 minutes. Um, disappointed not to come away with the win. But we, we did. We, we really would have deserved it. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch the very limited highlights on the BBC. I but I don't think we're really... No, they're not really indicative of the game that I watched because we did. We we, we ran riot at times. Our attacking play was absolutely brilliant to watch, which I found lately belies Parkinson's so, you know, supposedly steady Eddie negative kind of reputation. You know, we, he's built a team that when, when it turns it on, he's really interesting, really exciting to watch and really dynamic on the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, replay, replays are hard. Replays, you don't tend to get the underdog coming away, coming away too often. Um, but you never know. In the FA Cup... Uh, replay at their place hopefully they'll get a few on because I think the mandatory ticket share is, is a third that you have to give the profits or the, the income to the away team so we can't complain about that and hopefully if we did get through we get a, a plum draw it'd be nice to see the Reebok full you know if we got someone like City or United or Liverpool etc uh, that'd be uh, nice too do we maybe give us a, bit, for the a boost it's a tough one isn't it when is the replay do you know I presume it's the next week or two following Wednesday or the one afterwards yeah I don't I think we've got the 14th we play Swindon I think the 28th we play Charlton I'm not sure who we play on the 21st in between there the away game is it I'm trying to think of it. is it Southend or someone like that I think I so yeah I think they might, might see a one or two players get a rest I mean Adeen I think they only played about 60-65 minutes yesterday so there was one eye on resting them a little bit um, against Palace yesterday I don't know, it depends if they bring a couple of players in um, which they've hinted at um, it might mean that we do have the, the opportunity to rest a couple Which, but then again we've got the likes of Clayton coming back as well who needs minutes yeah. so you know, if, if if you were to say to me sorry one last thing, if you were to say to me to, to, give, to give Clough the night off and um, give Clayton a game I don't think many people would be disappointed with that Well, wrapping up on Palace any last thoughts before we do a little more bits and bobs before wrapping up yeah no problem but I thought yeah, Palace were disappointing obviously they're struggling at the moment and they didn't have Zahar didn't have Benteke they didn't have that Scott Dan and uh, that Townsend Townsend came on and he was, a, he was a load of rubbish as he's always been um, yeah it makes you wonder because I didn't see much from Allardyce in terms of sort of tactical managerial ship during the game as well where Previously, he's been able to make some you know, telling substitutions that have changed the game. And I appreciate that Remy, he had no choice but to take him off because he wasn't fit. But his substitutions were much of a muchness. They didn't really add a great deal to the game. And bar 
Remy hitting the post in the first half, they didn't really struggle us very much at all. So yeah, if I was a, a job too if I was a Palace this? fan, well, I, I wonder unless he makes a couple of signings, mm. I wonder whether well, he's he's uh, been off. He brought in Kirchner, yeah, exactly, Kone and, exactly. Uh, and, no, and if anyone's going to do it, then I suppose it's going to be him. But it makes you wonder whether he's bitten off more than he can chew this time. Mm. But either way, I'm sure he'll retire to that lovely villa and, uh, and not really give a monkey too much in, in the space of six months. It's all right for some. As you mentioned then, Clayton back from injury. Scored a lovely goal against Coventry to be mm. in the last minute, which you know saved mm-hmm. a point from a very poor game, which we needed to win, really, with Coventry's at dire straits at the moment. But nice to see Clayton back after a horrid two years. Oh, definitely, and I know I'm, I wrote a piece about whether we should knock him on the head after his injury worries, and no, obviously close. that was. Uh, well, I know I don't take him out the back <laughs> and shoot him, but he, uh, he he took his goal really well, and, and you can't help but feel happy for the lad. You know, he, he's suffered some absolutely unbelievable bad luck, um, and and I, I'm, I don't think there's a single Bolton fan that wishes him anything but the best. He's capable. We know he's capable. Um, we just hope hope he can stay fit. Now, one good thing that come that came to mind thinking about Clayton was the fact that our injury record since Parkinson took over has been fantastic. We've barely had any key pl- any key players out for for any reasonable amount of time. So, think of any? Apart no, from Mark Davis, absolutely not. Who's Mark Davis. Yeah, well, that, that's just that's just genetic, isn't it? Yeah. But if you you know if anyone can get Clayton firing fit and hopefully remain fit, then surely it's going to be Parkinson, given what we've seen so far. So. I think the loss of Amiobi as well is maybe oh, yeah, uh, mitigated mi- mi- mitigated in the in the return of Clayton because obviously if the club have let Amiobi go back or Amiobi has been called back, well, they've got the choice of whether they replace him or whether we decide to look within and maybe strengthen elsewhere, which I suspect is the way that they've gone about it. You know, they thought well, we've got we Henry. No, we need to strengthen the striker position. That's the only one. Yes. Now, Pete Medine has well, for some <clears throat> somehow won Player of the Month last month, but we'll you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let that one slide. He has his, you know, he has his. He splits opinion, shall we say? I think he's yeah. done a good job, but he, we could be better. And for me, if there's even a possibility that we get Alf up front to lead this line, then it's just a no-brainer. I, I, I know people say, how does he fit into this team? It's easy. He fits in up front because while Medine might be good at holding the ball up, whatever, Lafondra can do that. And as you say, we don't really. When we're on form, we're not hitting it up to the big man all the time. And obviously, Medine works very hard. He, you know, he has his yeah, on shortcomings in front of goal, but no one can really fault his effort. Uh, the what he, the job he does do for the team, it can be a bit of a soft ass, which is what annoys me most about him. How he always looks for a free kick rather than trying to win the ball nine times out of ten. But it's not if Lafondre, if we can get Lafondre for the loan, right? We're six points behind the top of the league now. If we want to win it. We need to start scoring more, and Lafondra is he'll score goals. If he comes in for the rest of the season, playing with Vela and Clough, Henry, whoever it is, he'll score at least twelve, I'd say, and that could be potentially a into at least the other yeah. places. And I think, I think, I reckon, obviously, there's conflicting reports, but I reckon he wants to come. He's not. He's been a failure everywhere he's been, apart from Bolton. No move since Bolton has worked out for him. And this could be the one, you know, that gives his fate, his ageing career. Yeah. I think he's going to be entering his 30s soon. You can maybe give him a, a little more of a spark towards the end of his career. And it'd be, you know, we, I think all the fans want him. I think he wants it. Yeah. It all depends if Parkinson, you know, wants I, to um, change it up. I remember his time with us fondly. Obviously, he did well in a struggling team. I remember him scoring plenty of goals, although we didn't win too many games. Um, I'm, I'm 
Close, Doubtful from a, from a... Yeah, well, yeah, it was. That was that was the time that it helped, it helped him to break through. But on the subject of LaFondra, I'm, I'm a little bit dubious from a, a tactical or a sort of team structure point of view because we know the way Parkinson wants to play. And on the topic of Medine, like you say, what he's good at what he's good at. He's not necessarily that good at much else, but he doesn't need to be at the moment. And Parkinson obviously likes to play with that target man who can come and, and knock the ball down for others to run onto. But can you see LaFondra coming in and playing wide left or wide right, supporting um, Medine behind? I can't. I think it would involve too big a tactical switch from what we've done and what we've done successfully all season just to accommodate think, one particular type of centre-forward. The thing is, he's the type of centre-forward that will just score, and in League One, he'll have an absolute field day. He'll rinse it to you, You'd expect so. You'd expect so, however... To, if we've got a striker who can score, I don't think we'll need one like Medine, who relieves pressure as much. Because if we're scoring, we're not defending as much, are we? No, it's that, true, but I, I still sense. think it's... I still think it's it's unlikely... You know, again, heart overhead. I think it's unlikely purely because we've set our stall out. We, we happened upon a way of playing and a, and a lineup. Um, end of October, I think it was after that that shaky period. And I think this is going to be us now until the end of the season. So yeah, I'd be all for Lafondre. I think he'd make a, a, an excellent plan B. Well, exactly. Um, like, but we while the plan A gets injured, then we're fucked because we're not buying our Proctor ain't going to cut it. Same, same goes, same goes for quite a few players. Yeah. But it it makes it makes me wonder about whether. Lafondra would come or whether we could afford him as a plan That's B issue. if we're going to spend that kind of money on someone surely it's got to be as a play every week main man uh, and I have my doubts about that he's placing on base wages who we may, not, may or may not have paid depending on <coughs> what the hell that situation is well we paid his wages so no. it was the, the fee that uh, whatever that situation is I just think it's a no-brainer if the money's there if you know the embargo's willing I think we'd just be completely fearless not to take it because at the end of the day, he, he's already proven to work well with Clough and over attackers we have, obviously and under a different manager, but in a better league against better defenders and Clough and Lafondre were a brilliant partnership and ripped it to shred. I think if we have the opportunity to get him, it should be a no-brainer because I don't think anywhere else on that in our team need strengthening you know you can argue right back even though I think Lobby's done a good job at the minute you can argue reserve centre back or whatever but at the minute the only place where there's a glaring fault is the depth of our strikers and yeah we have, that's we have true and I think one or two injuries were knackered exactly and yeah I agree I, I agree I mean there's obviously there's a couple there, of lads in the not to take it in my humble opinion well I think that's twofold I think given the fact that Supposedly, there are two clubs in the uh, League One after him as well. You've got a decision to make whether you sign him because we need him, or whether you sign him because you don't want anyone else to have him. Which you know, either yeah, either either way has got its either way has got its merits. I can see why you do it. Contract in the summer? Uh, I have no idea. It seems like he's been. Seems like he's been at Cardiff for a while so I guess it's a possibility if he's out of contact in the summer and we do get promotion we're going to need more than Medine in the, in the championship as we found out last year well yeah if we Medine's get... already proven he's, he's not he's not capable of that step up we need to find somebody that is so yeah I mean same with Amiobi same with Henry you know you lay the ground yeah lay the groundwork now and then the same exactly. with Tom Thorpe you can do the deal whenever you want can't well, you I, but I think of it as something was, like uh, uh, you know we uh, that type of situation where he 
now maybe he didn't have his offers or whatever, but he'd happily stay here, you know, injury free, playing under a manager, playing well. He'd happily cut a wage to stay somewhere. Yeah. Well, we had we had it showed it showed the lack of, of strength in depth we've got when we had to bring Proctor on. I mean, you know, God bless him. I'm sure he's a lovely fellow, but he can't put one foot in front of the other without messing up. He went through on goal with about five minutes to go. Not straight through on goal, but, you know, an angle running in. And the ball carried off his his own heels and went 15 yards behind him and the defenders caught up with him. It's laughable. He's he's hopeless. And so just to call Medina all, all I like to do, I don't think he's particularly good. He's one thing, but I'm well aware of the fact that if he was to get injured... We'd be shagged as we were in, as we were in September when he was out. You know, we, it it all went to pot, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And I look at I look at and I see someone who, in the two years or whatever it's been since he was here, he's gone to Wigan, he's gone to Wolves, and he's obviously been at Cardiff. And everywhere he's been, I don't think he's scored more than one goal, and he's hardly played at Bolton. He knows oh, his that... He knows the players. He he's got friends. I should imagine, and he. In League One, he must know that he'll absolutely shag it. So, I hope it happens, and I'd be, I'd, I'd be what? very fucking happy. We'd have to retract a certain statement calling him a snake if he does come back. You know, I think I'd re- I'd repost that just for the number of people that missed the point. But one <laughs> final thing, one final thing. Does it not bother you the number of people, uh, the number of goals he scored in the interim? He's obviously he's coming back. He's two years older. His his career is is. Dawdling a little bit, you know. He he needs us more than we need him potentially. Um, if he's going to end up getting any sort of decent point. next contract, that is a good point. But I still think it's less risky than signing someone else. And no, it's probably, I agree. Since it's if merit, it's only it. a loan, if the loan does fail, then we only need to sign him at summer, do we? No, very true. And and on that bombshell, I think I've said all I need to say about Lafondra. Very interesting, very interesting indeed. I, I mean, the window's open now. Supposedly, the, the, there might be some activity in the next 24 hours or so, so we'll see That's what that weird, could be. I remember something being said that we weren't making any signings, but now apparently we are, so... Plans change, mate, plans mm. change. Now, I know uh, I, I would still think Amiobi might be might be on one of those. Getting back to Newcastle for a couple of weeks, maybe play hardball a bit, you know, pretend that we don't need him, we've moved on to other, other targets. Mm-hmm. That way, our desperation isn't quite as evident as it might have been a week ago. And Newcastle might think, well, you know, someone, no one's coming for him. He's not going to play at Newcastle. I mean, if they sign Tom Cleverley like they're supposed to be doing, that's one less midfield spot for him to take up. Uh, I still fancy we'll, we'll have Amiobi back, but it's a long window. There's still three weeks left to go, and uh, and we'll find out soon enough what's going to happen. Well, doesn't I think that, despite the 20-minute rambling of how we hate football, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> It's been a quite a good podcast. A return. We've not we've not been so active recently. You know, Christmas is hectic times. We're all busy with life and exams and work and watching wrestling and that. But we'll try and be <laughs> a bit more regular this year. Try and change things up. Try and you know write as much as we can well, and continue to serve that's, you. Uh, that's one thing I just like to mention. It's an open offer if anybody wants to come on board and, and outright for us. If you want anything you want to say about Bolton to get off your chest. Just drop either Dan or I a message online, however many formats you want to use. Always happy, and we'll always have a good look at anything anyone wants to post. You're always very welcome. But Dan, it's been a pleasure. It's been a while since we've spoken, and I'm uh, I'm pleased we did. It's been good fun. It's been it's been a lovely old job. Yeah, I've, I think it's cured my hangover. It's been that enjoyable. Good. Are you going to watch Sherlock? I've not, I've not seen the last one yet, and I've heard 
mixed things have gone off it a little bit recently since that fucking it's Christmas episode. Excellent. Oh, that Christmas episode was shite though. A few years, it was rubbish. Old. The old, the, the old-fashioned one. It was rubbish. It was actual. And it, it's going. It feels like it's being like Doctor Who writing at the minute, where they just do random shit that doesn't make sense. And it might look good, True. And it might be funny, and it might be nice to watch. But when you think about it, it just might be a bit of shit. But tell you what I'm watching at the minute. I'm, I'm nearly at the end of season two of Man in the High Castle. <laughs> If you've got Amazon Prime, well, get that watched. I don't have Amazon Prime, but I've got Cody, so I've watched Series 1, and it ended in the weirdest way possible, yeah. and I watched 10 I watched ten minutes of Series, the opening of Series 2 a couple of days ago, and then I had to go and do some parenting duties, so I cut it off. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to... Yeah, I'm not Japanese sure. Man. I'm not sure how they can eke, eke out a second series of that story, but... I thought that the, as well, but they're doing mm, quite well. It does the source material... But the source material is interesting, so I'll uh, I will at some point I'll go back to that. But otherwise, Vikings uh, as well. Season four Viking, Viking, yeah. The Vikings. Me and the yeah. missus watched the first. Me and the missus watched the first episode of Peaky Blinders over Christmas, oh, yeah. and I should really, I should really go back into that as well. There's some very good hats on display. Say something. All uh, that's got the best intro sequence of any TV show ever, hasn't it? How the music plays over them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And pretty cool, mate. Yeah, what good stuff. The episode, all his angels. Episode five of season four, part two of Vikings. Most stunning, one of the most stunning hours of TV I've ever seen. Fucking masterful. Uh, interesting. I'll add, I'll add that to the list. Chris, where can people follow you on Twitter? Dan, they can find me wherever I'm. I'm present. Line of Vienna Suite, Line of Vienna STE on Twitter, or nineteen manning eighty three on Twitter, on Facebook, etc. All the usual places. Come and say hello. I will say hello back. I am at Mabroski. Come and say hi if you so wish. Of course, we're all on at Line of NST, where you'll see us tweet about Bolton Wonders, of all things. <coughs> of course, we're also on lineofvnst.com. Go over there for all your articles, or match uh, analysis and opinions and the like. Get on that and the occasional satire that you won't get. <laughs> get over there, give us a read, and thank you very much for listening. If there's nothing else to say, Chris, I think it's time to say goodbye. So good evening, Dan. Have a, yep, have a good one and uh, get, get plenty of sleep. Have a good sleep, mate. You'll, you'll feel much better tomorrow, I promise. I sure will. Thank you very much. And it's goodbye from me, Selavi. And goodbye from him. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da. Oh, you ruined it. Oh, no, I did. Forget it. I'm out of practice. Let me off. <laughs>